ICA Gear has outfitted over 10,000 bow hunters across the country, and we're continuing to raise the bar when it comes to bow hunting camo. New for the 23 season, we introduce our never-before-seen panel fabric system designed to be dead quiet along with our patent-pending bow hunting collar, Osseo Gear. Features and function built for bow hunters by bow hunters. Learn more at asiogear.com. Welcome to the Bear Bow Hunter Podcast with your host, Nate Bailey and Jerry Goins, where we celebrate the ancient paths of our bear bow ancestors, where hard work and woodsmanship outweigh advanced shooting devices, where we value those who've gone before us and welcome those yet to come. Join us as we share valuable insight about the bear bow hunter's lifestyle. All right, here's another edition of the Barebow Hunter Podcast. We've been away from here for a while because we've been slinging arrows. <laughs> Today we have with us Jerry. Hey, uh, the co-host that's never here because sometimes I don't get him here. Sometimes we're not. We're, who knows what we're doing? But Jerry, so, sometimes the yeah, schedules don't match, or or Jerry just doesn't want to come on. Sometimes he tells me, "Nope, I'm not talking today." <laughs> no that never happens yeah you grumpy old man get off my lawn kind of thing <laughs> if anybody ever knows jerry there's no time that he's not talking <laughs> except when you are exactly exactly so we're like we're, we're like uh two peas in a pod so anyhow um we thought we'd come on here and continue on with the podcast um i got some other guests lined out uh, I'll, I'll let Jerry know. He doesn't even know yet, but I'm going to let him know, um, after we get off of here, but we're going to continue on with the podcast. Elk season's over. Um, some of my guiding, my outfitting's over. And, uh, now we have just, we got some extra time. So we're going to start doing the podcast again and hopefully help you guys out with some of the stuff that you want to find out about like bare bows and things like that. So Jerry, how's your season? Short, yeah. very short. <laughs> we had, as everyone knows, we had the uh, fires out here, and I lasted three days on my hunt, um, which is a. It was a special commemorative hunt that I will uh, get into at a future date, as far as either an article or a video or both or something. But um, it was. Uh, extremely hot and dusty they had logged the unit that was really important to me and I tried to camp there but it was there was no shade and it was 90 and uh, the shade of my car that's where I sat during the middle of the day when the animals were bedded down so I came home was gonna hunt the last week of the season but the fires over here in western Oregon the smoke made its way to eastern and uh, I mean bad smoke and I'd had enough of it here, so I'm just waiting for the late deer hunt now. Yeah, and same thing happened to us. We uh, ended up going, we ended up hunting Memorial Day. Uh, we ended up getting two on, was it Memorial? No. Uh, Not Memorial Day. <laughs> Labor Day. No game wardens listening, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Labor Day. <laughs> we, we ended up getting two on Labor Day weekend. 
came back here uh, Monday. A fire broke out at my parents' house, so I went over there and I was putting line in all day over there. And then all of a sudden, I get a a text telling me that a fire broke out. Um, well, basically by the rafter K, and uh, so. I started coming back over here because I was thinking, well, that's not very far from from you know our house here no. in Butte Falls, and no, and so I got back here, and by the time I got back here, I ran up to the look, you know, to look look it over up on the ridge, and it was headed this way, and we got put on evacuation notice, and uh, yeah, so we were on level three for a long time during that season, so I uh, stayed up here and made sure that the house, you know, I had generators running we lost power all, all that and uh yeah so yeah so i got in yeah, a couple we, days at the end there and we got in a couple more bowls so yeah, we we uh, the level three was within a, a half mile of our house as, as crow flies so th- that was another thing it's like well do we do we really want to go yeah. anywhere right right <laughs> yeah what if yeah. i have to leave you know and yeah yeah and that was kind of the same here and our level, you know, the level we were put under level three and they evacuated us. Um, I stayed up here just to help out with the town and things like that. And, uh, the fire did get within about a half a mile, it, you know, and, and it, and it would have had to burn downhill uh, against the wind through a previous burn. Oh, right. And cross the Creek. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, no, it, it would have, it wouldn't got across the Creek, but, so I wasn't too concerned about it at the time. Um, so finally, once they relieved that a little bit, and I felt like I could get, you know, uh, Misty and and Chase back up here, then we, uh, then I decided to take some time and go hunting. And we just hunted here in the Cascades and uh, ended up with uh, two in the Cascades. So it was a, it was a pretty good year for us. Yeah, it was. I had. Um... I had bulls bugling most of the night, the night before opening day, within two or three hundred yards of my of my camp. And I was really hoping to get back. You know, I did have two friends. The smoke cleared, I guess, the last three days of the season. And uh, two of my uh, friends over there killed nice bulls uh, where I was. Oh, right on. Yeah, so I was, uh, I was hoping. But you know, it's what what we say. The the hunt. What I was doing at the hunt was more important than killing something. Right, right. So, yeah, you uh, know, it's kind of weird because so we filmed all of our hunts. Um, From Gage was the first one to get a get a bull to my brother in law Kevin, and you guys mind us seen that you know if you if you, anybody on here watches our youtube channel um you'll see our first hunt with kevin that was the first elk that he's ever seen in the wild uh he never heard a elk bugle in the wild before this year and then he finally ends up um connecting with juan uh towards the end of the season and uh it's a humdinger that whole hunt's a humdinger but at the same time i have all this footage that that i I'd, I'd videoed and um and it's the best footage I've ever videoed of, of an elk hunt by far. Other than that time that we were hunting together, that was a pretty cool footage when you, you got close to that bull that was in Is the that, trees. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, that's pretty sweet footage Someone too. Almost, almost gave away the location. You mean up at there at the? Yeah. Oh yeah, you can give away a location. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you won't get that tag for another twenty years anyhow. But um. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I know it's. That's a whole nother podcast. I could talk about bow hunting in Oregon for. They're gonna run it anyhow. <laughs> back on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. and it's and and I don't completely blame them in some ways. Okay, we got off on that tangent. We're gonna run with it. Um, yeah, might as well finish going down yeah okay so here's the deal um i hunt ochikos i've been hunting ochikos since i was a kid little kid my parent or let me see my grandfather started hunting it in the 40s so ochiko is something that's in my in my blood and if you guys want to go hunt ochiko and you hunt the area that i hunt more power to you you can go in there um uh, there are only a few people have gone down in there i've only seen a couple people down in there but so anyhow yeah it's pretty tough down there but there's a lot of elk too but uh any anything any the thing is is that tag now when i first started bow hunting it back in 90s um you could go in there on a general tag okay you just go buy a tag over the counter and you go hunt okay you could actually do that when i started rifle hunting over there you could buy a general tag rifle hunting um which, you know, there weren't that many elk over there then. There's a lot more elk there now than there were before. Now, um, then they put it in a draw. So you, you had to draw a tag to go in there to hunt. Which, you know, is that's here nor there. But there's a reason for that. There's you got to understand that there's reasons for all this. Um, and I'm going to get off on this tangent. <laughs> And, and people are not going to like it, but it's true. It, there's a reason because the numbers of um, successful bow hunters in that unit have grown. So that is why ODFW is going after putting all these elk seasons in controlled hunts. Because we are killing more elk. And the reason we're killing more elk is because... You mean all all the units you mean not just ochiko not just ochiko but ochiko was one ochiko was one of the first you know there's only a right. few draw units in oregon right now and ochiko is one of yeah. them and and part of partially that has to do with um and there's a lot of elk over there but it partially has to do with our success now mm -hmm. you know when i i hunted it with a compound bow back in 90s that's why i switched back to because those compound bows back then weren't any they, they actually were more of a hindrance than they were a help. Oh, a fast one was 200 feet per second. Yeah, well, and, and the pins were just sucked. Everything moved all the time. It, it, they just yeah. weren't that good. And now, with the advent of, of uh, a lot of the technology that we do have, and we talked about this among my group, because I hunt with a bunch of compound guys, right? And, uh, right. And, and, and they're griping now about not being able to get a tag over there. Well, now, you take some of the technology that we can use, and it does make it easier. It makes it quite a bit easier. Um, Absolutely. And so, so now you're having more hunters coming into it, coming into the sport of bow hunting. First-year hunters that are coming in and and quite honestly if you practice um you could get really proficient with your bow within that 
short amount of time. Right. Ironically, a lot of them are coming in because it's the of the draw system for rifle hunters. Right. Right. They don't draw their tags, so they decide to bow hunt. Right. And a lot of that mentality is coming with them, though. So I know. What I'm, what I'm saying here, and, and I'm kind of stepping around it a little bit because I want compound hunters to listen to us, and I want compound hunters to feel like they're welcome. But at some right. point, I think compound hunters have to ask themselves why they're bow hunting. And it goes back to just that kill thing again. Because you come into uh, bow hunting, which is a primitive sport. It should be termed as that. It should be a primitive thing. Um, close range, you know, drawing blood, tracking animals. Very rarely do you hit something and it drops right there. Um, so it is more intimate and primitive sport or lifestyle or hunt or whatever you want to call it. But the problem is, is when precision starts getting into it. And, and don't get me wrong, these bows, man. It's pretty cool to see how precise they could shoot an arrow and how precise some guys can shoot an arrow. Right. And it's kind of like the, you know, on the rifle side of things. Now it's, it's starting to be a big deal that, well, I killed my deer 800 yards. Right. Because of the precision that's available. Right. And at some point you have to say, is that hunting? Well, you know, and I don't want to take that away from them either. You know, I, I think killing an animal is killing an animal. But at, the, at some point, if that's the way they want to do it, that's fine. But it is not the same as, say, shooting one at 50 yards with a 30-30. You know what I mean? Well, and my point, it's to, to my point, is technology, no matter where you're looking at rifles or bows or whatever, is the reason the success rates are going up. Right, right. Yeah, and, and that's you know. absolutely true. And as success rates grow, go up, um, opportunities go down. So, and, and that's what we're coming up against. And, and really, Ochko's doesn't bother me. The, the tag of Ochko's doesn't bother me. It does to a point because I have a lot of, I mean, we got ridges that we've named. Uh, you know, I've shown Jerry things over there. We have a rock blind that we built. Yep. That we put a rock on every time we go by it. And, and those things are really important to me, but... Um, what's really going to start hurting is when they make everything a draw, especially the cascade units, because cascade units, um, are divided by the Pacific crest. And so I would have to decide, <laughs> uh, which side, which of, that side of that trail I'm going to yeah. draw for. And that's the same elk. Those elk cross that trail consistently, you know? So. Man, it's just it's just one of those things where it's taking opportunities away. Um, well, yeah, because if if you don't if you don't because uh, if they let's say they made it statewide all the units, if you don't draw the unit you want to hunt, you don't hunt. You don't get a tag. Period. Right. And I can see it kind of sliding down that way eventually. Well, they want because to... people who don't draw the Eastern Oregon tags are going to go hunt in the Western Oregon units, and then those, you know, those right. success rates are going to start going, or not maybe not success rates, but the harvest uh, will start going up. Yeah, because there's more people, right? Yeah, right. Not and... to mention competition 
for, uh, you know, on public ground. Right. Right. So uh, back back to the technology of the bows. I came up with, and I told this to the boys, and uh, and they would have to agree with me. Um, they, st- I mean, at first they didn't want to. Uh, because, <laughs> well, I mean, you start thinking about it, um, you know, they, they, they didn't want to, they didn't want to think that direction, but uh, like I told them, I said, you know, one thing that would stop all of that is if you just took away range finders, if, yeah. if, because here's the thing, a compound bow out to 40 yards is going to shoot pretty flat. Right. So what's your range finder really there for? It's out past 40 yards. Well, that I know consistently of elk being shot past that 40-yard range um, during bow right. season. I, I hear it all the time. Matter of fact, I know of a guy last year in Ochico who um, lost an elk that he shot at 90 yards. And and so that's part of the thing problem that's going on, too, is you get rifle hunters going out there after we get out there rifle deer hunters who are probably rifle elk hunters too and they see these elk with arrows in them and so um they're not they're not going to help us with trying to keep our seasons any longer so i i i don't want to i don't want to sound like that guy right but at the same time and i I had compound guys say well you just you just don't want to lose your opportunities and i said that's exactly right like yeah that's exactly right. These were hard-fought opportunities to be able to bow hunt in the state of Oregon, and they were fought by guys that would that um, kept the sport really primitive and and short range. And I don't care if you shoot a compound; I just don't want to see it going to where people are consistently killing elk at 68, 70, 80 yards with a with a bow. It's just not. It's really it's not really fair for the elk. If you can't get within eighty yards of an elk during bow season, you're really not trying. Right. So, I I don't know. That that's just the tangent that I went on, and it goes back to what our original topic was: is the kill, you know. Um, kill at all costs. Right. That's the. You know. Yeah, that's the goal when you're going hunting. You want to right. kill something. Of course, you want the meat. You 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 want. That's the ultimate goal of what you're doing out there. But it's not. That is not the. Uh, the sum of all of what hunting is no and no it's not and i think i think social media and things like that have play big into this and uh i know it has me i know it's affected me just just putting out this footage me trying to um get an idea of what i wanted to do with the footage and and how i was best going to place it to make the life outdoors youtube channel do the best and or whether I was going to put it in the full draw film tour so people get to know us and this and that. And I, man, I tell you what, it's been daunting and um, I'm over it. <laughs> well, I, in it, my own mind, that nobody's putting this on me. This is me. Right. So, in your, do you start then to, because of social media, because of the videos and all that, do you start to question your own motives? Of course. Yeah. When you're worried about what you're going to do with the footage that you took on a hunting trip, of course you should question your own motives. Yeah. You know, and and so when I set out to to do what we're doing here, when uh, you know the the Facebook group and the YouTube channel and all that, 
Um, it was to promote a lifestyle that um, I think is something that our culture needs and we need to hold on to. And if I'm letting that other stuff creep in, um, then, you know, I'm, I'm doing exactly the opposite of what I was really trying to do in the first place. Yeah. And so, so, you know, that's, so I've, I've made the decision, you know, after a lot of careful thinking and stuff like that. And, and there's, you know, Gage is involved in this. And then of course, David's involved in it. And, um, we're just going to put it out there and hopefully, uh, get people enthusiastic about hunting. <laughs> you know well there's yeah because there's, there's so much more to the hunt than just putting an arrow in an animal and and, and having a good uh, instagram feed <laughs> yeah yeah being you know an influencer I mean? or whatever yeah. you know yeah, uh, there's so there's much just, more there's so much there's the i mean that the belittles it. spirituality the whole yeah you know the romance of the sport the whole the whole thing you know there's you know uh seeing different things when you're in out in the in the woods and just being away from all the especially these days all the crap that's going on mm -hmm. yep um, yep and and that's driven by a lot of that too it's a respite you know yep uh, to go out and just listen to the the birds sing and watching the squirrels run around and and uh hearing the wind in the trees getting dirty <laughs> yeah you know i mean it's yeah uh, if if it wasn't for being able to get out in the woods, I think occasionally, regardless of whether I put anything on the ground or not, I think I'd start to go semi insane. Right, right, and and even you know, and and for me, hiking's not the same either because no, I'm, I, um, hunting, you're hunting, and hunting is not killing. The killing is at the end of the hunt. Right, and if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, on on any good successful i don't want to say successful hunt. on any hunt that that, that killings involved it's at the very end of the hunt and right in some cases it's like man i, I really didn't want to do that yet because i got a lot more hunting left right and well, uh, that's what got me into bow hunting yeah yeah you know in 1985 i think it was i dropped a really nice mule deer buck 45 minutes into the season yeah, now you had to go I was, home. <laughs> I was done. Yeah. And that didn't sit well with me. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what got me into bow hunting was um, bugling bulls in my face. That's really what got me into it. But Yeah. Um, and, and it's gone different places from there. But the, the thing is, is there's so much to uh, be a part of. You know, humans have been doing this for thousands of years. There's so much more to be a part of. And and you are if you're hunting you are nature you're not you're not like entering nature that's what people always like to say but that's not true you are nature uh humans are belong in nature just as much as any wolf does you know and so the hunt itself the hunt in itself the hurt the ups and downs the grime the grit the blown stalks the the wind that shifts the mistakes you make that is way more important than any of the other stuff. Really, really it is. Yeah. That's where you really learn who you are as, as a human, as a hunter. And, uh, so I don't want to degrade that by trying to fill up an Instagram feed. You know what I mean? Well, that's what gets back to the social media then is the, 
is, and this is, I guess, human nature is, is people want to pose with a dead animal. Yep. And, you know, my feed is exploding right now, which is frustrating because I can't get it in the woods right now. Nothing open. But um, with dead animals. Right. And yep. uh, I'd rather see, and I enjoy the, the short, videos that guys put on there where they're just videoing uh, a couple Bugles. like <laughs> well Dave Belowski yeah. just did one of, of a couple bucks fighting with inside of his oh stand. that's awesome yeah you know and not a lot of people get to see that and that's that's part of the whole thing you know when I was in Kansas two years ago three years ago um, I was sitting in a stand and the cool thing there was literally talking back and forth to an owl that was <laughs> a few trees away. Uh, you know, having a, a small hawk glide over the top of my head to go down and try to nab this pack rat that had been shoved out of his home by a small possum. I mean, all this stuff you're just watching. And, I mean, those are some some of my favorite memories of the hunt, really. Right, right. Yeah, I... Uh... Even though I killed one, even though I killed a deer, those were the more of the memories. Well, that and the time with the people. Um, right. Uh, I was uh, that was out there with Steve Hosman, and we had a wonderful time. Planning on going back next year, but uh, right. even if I hadn't killed anything, the experiences I had there was things that I really haven't experienced out here. Right. And and, and even even then, you know, even some of even a, a kill, the experience of killing an animal is in a, in and of itself part of the hunt too. And I do, yes. and of course I do like seeing animals on Facebook and Instagram too, but it, it, it's not the hero type idea about it. Right. And, right. And, um, trying to, I mean, I, I think this is a nice knife's edge that we walk as hunters, right? We, we are either on one side or the other of that. And, and the, the reality is up on top of this knife edge. And so, um, I think we always have to call ourselves back if we're on one side or the other, we're like, Oh, the hunt's just about, you know, being in the woods and soaking up the sun. Well, yeah, it is, but also it's about killing animals or if the hunt's just about getting a good picture of a dead animal. Well, yeah, it's that, but you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I do. And I don't want to downgrade anybody that's putting, you know, dead animals on Instagram. I, I No, I no, like no. That's not my point. Right. Oh, I know. I know it wasn't. Point. I just wanted to make sure that we, uh, you know, that we, we talked about that because, but it can be. It can be. That can be our point, And that can be the only reason we do things. And that motive is what we really need to go after. Yeah. Cause if, if it was just dead animal on the ground, I'd, I'd lead a pretty disappointing life. <laughs> Well, sometimes, you know, some people will say, well, that's what guys say when they don't kill anything, you know, um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I, it's kind of hard to make our point here without not making our point. Right. The last thing I want to do is call somebody out because you don't know their motives. It's all about personal right. motives. Right. So basically what I'm doing is calling myself out. Right. Yeah, we'll get back, getting back to the social media yep. uh, motive. Right, right. Yep. What, what are we, what are we doing that for? 
what's the reasoning behind it and and i think one of the big things that we could we could say and and is uh or or i think honestly to, to actually run a good social media or a good youtube channel or a good facebook group or any of that stuff the the thing that we can say that i think the guys that do that the best are the ones that call them call their motives to question quite a bit within themselves, and I, I think that's what keeps us on the straight line. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I I know it's I really had to question myself when I was holding this this footage that I took. I was like, man, I got to make this the best, you know. And then you start questioning, well, what did I start that YouTube channel in the first place for? It was to get more people right. in. So why would I why would I try to leverage? all of this to make it better for, for me rather than worry about the people. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. It's goes against what I was trying to do in the first place. <laughs> yeah. So, so with that said, I am going to, I'm, I'm going to put it out and I'm going to do day by day. Just like I was, I am going to probably up the quality, just uh, the quality of like, um, production quality just because i think the footage deserves that but um for the sole purpose of trying to get people into it when you know that comes with the more you do the better you get at it and you know honing honing your craft i guess you could call it um you start filming first and then then you start getting all the footage, and you're excited to get the footage out, and and then comes the well, you know, I could do something better with this footage. Yeah, it's just a natural part of the process. Right, and I think it's a respect for what the footage entails too. I mean, yeah. it's a respect for the land and the animal as well. You, you want to do your best for them, right? And uh, and so yeah, that's that's part of it. Um, and I, I just I do I think it's one of those things where we pay if, if we make the footage good and we make it, I think we pay in a lot more respect to what we're doing. Yeah. Cause I haven't done a lot of it. So I, but I can, I can get your point. Right. It's like taking a picture of a, say you got a bull elk out in the middle of a field and you want to take a picture of him and you underexpose the living tar out of it. And it, it's out of focus completely, you know, you can kind of feel like you have um, lessened lessened that moment by not doing your part. Yeah, I could be better for sure. Yeah. So that's that's kind of so that's kind of what we were what I'm uh, what was on my mind about um, a lot of the footage that I'm putting out. And it's kind of strange. It's a strange, <laughs> you know, back in the day, shoot, nobody filmed what they were doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I well, they, and they didn't really have the equipment readily available to do it justice like we do today. Right, right. But uh, every time I think, well, maybe I should just quit filming, quit doing this, and and uh, then I start looking at what uh, people like Fred Bear did. Mm-hmm. You know, Fred Bear's probably invigorated more people to pick up the bow because of what he put out there. Or even traditional Bowhunter magazine. Just I, I don't know where I'd be in my uh, in my walk in traditional archery if it wasn't for traditional Bowhunter magazine. You know, being able to get that you know every two months and and picking through it. I mean, it just that kept me going. 
So right. I hope. Well, we didn't have much else. Right. You know. Right. But I, know. I hope. <laughs> but it's 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 the thought behind it, and that kept us going forward. And I I was hoping that that's what this channel or you know this podcast, the channel, and all those things would do. And that's what I was after. And so when you start holding back and and going, well, how can we pivot this and how can we do that? And then you're like, that's going against everything that I I was starting this stuff for. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, that's me getting that off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, if, frankly, filming I think makes it a lot harder to hunt. Oh boy, yeah. um, you know, especially. You know, you got to have. It, it's as I learned this season. It's extremely hard to self hunt or self film. Oh yeah, by yourself. Yeah. But if you're have someone else filming, then you've got another person, more movement, more noise, more scent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just makes it. It makes it really hard, you know. And and or just in the Ochicos here a couple of years ago, you and I, when we had that, you had that bull so mad that. He couldn't stand it. He was glunking at us and all that, and trying to get him across that little opening. The battery dies in the camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so everything stops right then and there. Replace the battery, Stop. and then continue yeah. on. Yeah, not like you can restage it. Right. So, uh, right. There's but, all there's those things to deal with too, and it's like, okay, what would have been. You know, I know with you it wouldn't have been a problem. If the battery died and that bull stepped in the open and I shot it, it's right. like, well, that happens. That happens, yeah. But I know of other people who've been filming and say, oh, crap, the battery's dead. We need to back out so I can change batteries and then right. come back in. Right. Right. And then that kind of, that changes everything. Yeah. Um, Even that quick battery change changed everything. You know, you get those emotions running high. And then all of a sudden the emotion kind of drops a little bit. Well, it takes a little bit to get that back. Yeah. You know, it's still a fun moment. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I mean the emotion of of uh, the bull, the bull's emotion. Oh right, right. right. Trying to get him to yeah. come, to because once you get him fired up, if you let him off the hook, sometimes it, it, that's all it takes for them to just go. Oh, okay, he's not that big of a deal. And we had cows coming. Yeah, you were you were calling his cows away, and I think that's yeah. what was firing him up. Well, quite honestly, so the last bull this year, the big one, yeah, Kevin missed a bull about three hours before that. <laughs> uh, sorry, Kevin, if you're listening to this, but uh... <laughs> hey, misses happen, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He hit a limb, hit a limb. It was a clean miss. Thank goodness. That's the big thing that we were worried about. Uh, we found his arrow down. You'll see it in the video, but, um, but. We followed that, the big bull, the one that he finally did get, we followed that thing from 9.30 to 1.30, bugling the whole time, fighting with him the whole time. And what finally, uh, he took us down to a place where he knew the wind was going to swirl and he knew it was going to get in his advantage because I'd been dogging him all that time and keeping out of his wind. And, and we blew some others out, you know, some of the herd caught our wind, but I wasn't really concerned about them that played to our advantage, right? I mean, they were thinking, he was probably thinking that we were cutting cows. And so it helped us out. But getting down, once he got us into that spot, and then we circled and got between him and his cows, 
that's all that's what did it that's when he uh decided enough was enough and came in and i tell you what that's <laughs> that is the best thing when you get cows uh answering your bugles you know you're doing something yeah and that's what was going on that and the battery died that time. Yeah, yeah, it was too. Yeah, that was that was an interesting that was an interesting term. So what we did is we we had we heard that bull come in. We bugled him a couple of times, and then we took a nap with him. Uh, we were what 150 yards away, and we napped for let him get calmed down for a couple hours, and then we got back up and started messing with him again. And that's when he got torqued. <laughs> that would have been fun. That would have been fun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's that's all the stuff that you're going to remember, right? Right. That that's both... all part of that hunt, part of the experience. Yeah, uh, that you wouldn't have sitting at home, channel surfing or being on Facebook or or if you saw him coming whatever. in at eighty yards and shot him. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, and I, I don't want to downplay, you know, the guys that are getting into it and shooting bulls and killing them. I don't want to down, but what I am saying is, is man, being able to, and we were within 30 yards of that bull. I mean, if he would have shown himself, you could have probably killed him. Oh, the one that we were on? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you're right. It There's a lot to be said for practically being in their face when you when you shoot them right uh, regardless of what what species you're talking about like like you know last spring when that bear coming down the road <laughs> if he hadn't caught a little scent he'd have been in our in our laps when i shot him i mean that would have been a 10 or 15 yard shot yeah who knows how that would have turned out that would have been awesome that, that could have been exciting right so, if to shoot him when he was 60 70 yards away down the road uh wouldn't have been near as much uh fun or satisfying as having him in our lap right and right. i think guys that haven't experienced that yet and i think i'm pretty sure aaron has alluded to this when he made his switch to traditional he started killing animals at spitting distance yeah uh, how much more fun and a rush and all that 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 was rather than shooting them at it 60 yards. Right, right. There's so much you miss, you know. Um, you miss that, like, uh, I shot a doe one time who was literally feeding at my feet. I was sitting in a chair. Um, yeah. I would miss all that if I'd have shot her out there 40 yards or so. Right. You know, I'd have missed her trying to look up under my hat. <laughs> and right. you know all that stuff and so you know i kind of feel like i'm rambling here but no no close, i know the close encounters are what are man that's the icing on the cake really it uh, really is and and i i think if we're going to keep bow hunting away from being just a two-week season that you have to draw for i, I think we're going to have to start getting back to that mentality a little bit and get away from some of the rifle mentality and not that I'm saying the rifle mentality is wrong. I mean, you know, there's shooting a shooting a elk at 200 yards still has its allure to me. I mean, I, I, going out and tracking them, and I, I still like that. But what I am saying 
is we need to keep bow hunting a close in sport. <laughs> you have to ask yourself, why am I bow hunting? Right. Right. Why did I pick up a bow? Well, I picked up, for me, I picked up a bow because, because in my instance, I felt that the rifle was an unfair advantage. And I wanted the challenge of being close. And, um, you know, doing what we're, exactly what we're just talking about. So I, I wanted to be within the 20 or 30 yards. I wanted to experience all that. I wanted to make it a challenge because, frankly, uh, for, for Blacktail anyway, the rifle had ceased being a challenge. Right. Right. Nowadays, it's more of a challenge just because there's not near me blacktails. But <laughs> Right. But, you know, if you, frankly, if, because in blacktail habitat, you can't see a long way. If you could see them, you right. could kill them. Right. Right. And uh, that was fine when I was a new hunter. Right. Because it was all about killing. Right. Right. And, and you know, one of the big reasons I got into bow hunting, too, is because two weeks a year wasn't enough time for me to to hunt I, I i loved it more than that right so i wanted to be able to be out there a lot more and have a lot more of those experiences i mean a lot of bow hunters get within bow range a lot that mm -hmm. don't kill an animal and so um that hunt would have been over uh a lot sooner if you're rifle hunting and or if or if you're shooting a compound at 60 yards Right. And, and and so the problem is, is if we start, if we continue down this road, uh, start making, you know, some states allow those bows with range finders on the site and the site adjusts yeah. itself to it, you know, and if, or you got this, this ozonics where it pulls all the scent out of the air. And, you know, if we continue down this road, um, we're going to eventually have like a weak season. And it'll uh -huh. take you 10 years to draw the tag. And uh, that's just not acceptable to me. Uh, when we so how, how do you convince all the people coming into bow hunting to keep it a very short-range sport when they have the social, technology to do just the opposite? Social media. <laughs> well, It's a two-edged okay, sword, right? How many, <laughs> but how many compound... Uh, people come to like bear bow hunters where they could be influenced or they could be exposed to that. Yeah. So 35 you know, getting a close mentality. So 35% of the people that go on our group on Facebook are compound shooters that are really interested in traditional bows. Really? Yep. Yep. So 35% and traditional bow hunting, uh, traditional bows are growing in popularity and I think it's because people are seeing some of this that we're talking about right now. Um, uh, and don't get me wrong, you know, I, I'm, I don't want to be that guy, right? I don't want to be the old curmudgeon that, that's saying, uh, compound bows are training wheels. And, you know, I, I'm not that. No, no, no. Not no. that at all. You old crusties. Yeah. My, <laughs> my son hunts with a compound bow. All the guys that I hunted with this year hunt with compound bows. Every shot that was shot this year was shot under 30 yards. You know, um, the reason they shot the compound bows is because that's their entry into it. Who knows? Gage keeps saying that he wants to be, he wants to shoot trad and he's going to. 
I, I told him get a couple kills under your belt first, you know, because the compound is it's a it's a stable platform, a lot more stable than than the trad bow. So, but I hunted for a season with one when I had an injured elbow because I could shoot a compound, but not traditional. It was too much jar. Right. Uh, right. And it, it hurt too bad. Uh, and, you know, if my body continues on its current path, I can see that I'll be back to it. Right. Again, someday. Right. But it won't change my outlook. On hunting. As to it being a close range, you know, right. sport. Right. You know, and, and I'm, I'm around a lot of compound guys. I'm around a ton of them. And they have that same, you know, a lot of them, most all of them have that same mentality of this is a close range sport. And that's what we're really here for. That's good. Yep. Yep. But, but I'm, I'm sitting in my shop right now looking around at the bows on the wall and arrows and all that stuff. I just have a hard time envisioning one hanging in here with the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. But, uh. With that said, too, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, we talk about the ills of social media, but at the same time, uh, I, social media is media anymore, right? I mean, it, that's how people are ingesting things. And so that's what comes back to this whole conundrum that I was going through. Um, right. I'm here to represent that. And, and if that means doing it with a muzzleloader, that means doing it with a muzzleloader. If that means um, doing it with a rifle, that means... Do, but coming back to bringing the hunt out of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and that so that needs to be... First and foremost. And, and, and obvious in the message of the, of the video. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And the whole... The whole me- and, and so the video has to be centered around the message, not so much a kill. Exactly, which is a good thing for the video that I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but but at the same time, though, you know, um, I, I'm 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 just we need to get this out there. We need we need people that have been around it for quite a while to start putting some stuff out because, um, you know, just imagine what Don could put out on video, or TJ could put out on video. Or, you know, I, I talked to Brian. I was like, man, you need to film those moose hunts. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, oh, just think of, of the richness that would bring to people coming into the sport. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and I know they're, I know why they don't want to, you know, because the, the media that's out there. I mean, no, there's some really good media that's out there. Don't get me wrong. Right. Uh, you know, the born and raised of the world and the Donnie Vincents of the world and those guys are putting out some great stuff and, but just go on YouTube and start typing in. <laughs> You'll see some stuff. You're like, ah, oh, man. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's, there's some bad stuff out there. Yeah. And, and so I think that's what they equate with it, you know, and especially when they were influenced as young hunters coming up into it, the videos that were out then were horrible. So, that's what they look at. You know, that's kind of the, their worldview on what this um, media is about. And, and, um, and I know, 
like traditional bow hunters doing a lot of good media. They're they're starting to really pump some good stuff out, and I think they're going to even do more. And I'm hoping that they're going to do some video and stuff. But um, we need more well, of that. Know, is what I'm saying. We need more. We need the we need the old guys that have been around this to put more stuff out. out. More information than I'm supposed to. I, I I'm pretty sure that TJ's been in in communication with somebody. So right on. Uh, and that's as far as I'm going to take it. Uh, but there's another aspect for those of us, you know, I mean, TJ is, is, uh, he's going to be 64 next month. I'm going to be 66 in a week, uh, which is kind of freaking me out. And, um, you know, Don is in his seventies and some of this older generation, I think that, the video and I'm I, this is a general I'm not speaking for anybody this is yeah, just a right. general statement that the the whole video and the hunt thing is kind of off-putting and takes away from yeah. the ex, the essence of the hunt that's number 1 number 2 right. is those of us in this age group aren't exactly technologically savvy <laughs> as you know I mean I can run a camera right right you know I can run a video, but it's it's the the back end of all that, right? You know, yeah. But there's people uh, out here that could help, <laughs> you, know? you know. So yeah, I may be I may be getting old you for that. So that's but that's it's intimidating to have to learn all that sure the video processing sure. uh, and all that and and so there's there's that too. Is that it's a generational thing, right? Right. We weren't raised with it. We weren't. Uh, oh, I know. I think that's a know. big part of it. Yeah. And it's a different from in photography. It's totally different. You know, you, you just kind of keep up with the technology as it evolves. Right. But you have something to build on rather than just jumping into video and going, okay, my camera takes video. I right. just took some video. <laughs> now what the hell do I do with it? Right. Right. No, I get it. I get it completely. I, I, I'm just... I'm just, I'm kind of shotgunning and generalizing here. I mean, you know, um, there, I think there, we, yeah, we are. Yeah. And, and there, but there's some, there's some guys that have done, you know, you know, that promote this. Like, I mean, just take traditional bow hunter. That's the reason I read it. I read traditional bow hunter before I was ever a traditional bow hunter. And it was because, um, it was about the hunt. Regardless, you know, if if it was just with a traditional bow, it was about the hunt. All those stories in there are about people that are just playing hunting. Right. You know, or and, and they talk about um, being in a, in a wall tent up in the cold, eating good food, you know, just like that PBS yeah. blacktail hunt we had down here. It's more than just that, you know. So it, I just. Right, it's a camaraderie of the hunt. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wish we could. I mean. What just think if we could follow Jim around with a camera for a while, <laughs> you know, with with his yeah. pack strings or Buck? Just think if we could follow Buck around with a camera for a while. That's what we need. We need more of that in the hunting world. So you got another another uh, group to convince. <laughs> I know, I know. That needs to happen. I know, yeah. And, but we need to convince them. I, I, they got so much to share, so much good stuff that hunting, the hunting world needs to see. We got a lot of guys that have been hunting for about five, six years that need to see some of this, um, see where it goes, you know. And uh, 
what what life is really about in this hunting community i'll tell you what i was brought in with open arms to a lot of these mentor type people and uh it's really rich it's something that i think every hunter should feel as being a part of that and i think we'd have a lot of our less a lot less of our infighting type stuff that you see sometimes on social media as well that you know i'm glad you brought that up because the the infighting is just ridiculous um let's say well i saw a post just today on facebook you shoot this buck or or let it go another year oh no don't do that <laughs> and that was a the bow hunting post yeah, it's like yeah you know and i'm looking at that buck going i i can already see it on my wall yeah you got people saying oh i'd let it grow but right I remember back, and, and so that's part of the social media thing is is the keyboard warriors. Right. Um, it's safe to say anything when you're you're not within arm's reach. I used to think traditional bow hunters were about the most opinionated people in the world until I jumped on some other <laughs> some right, other yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, some of the fly fishing sites. Oh like boy. I left them. I just left them. Yeah, those uh, stinking nymphers. The, uh, yeah, don't yeah, yeah, you know. Why are you nymphing uh, around swingers? <laughs> some, of, some of the uh, muzzle-loading. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It could get pretty sites. tough, too. And it's like, you guys are taking the enjoyment out of this thing for other people. Yeah. You know, people who are enjoying it and they're getting into it, maybe they're even new, by putting them down for this or that, or, you know, oh, you let them walk another year. I remember seeing articles... Uh, from the 50s and 60s, that if somebody killed any deer right. with a bow, it was front page news. Right. Yep. yep. And we've kind of, and I don't know if social media is to blame for this or not, but uh, kind of gone to the other extreme where it has to be big and it, and it has to be at least three years old and this and that you know and right and uh, i'm enjoying the crap out of shad vanati's post where he's a he's a spike freak he loves freaky <laughs> spikes you know right right and i'm and i'm i'm saying you know this guy's this guy he knows you know it's meat in the freezer regardless of the size of the antlers yeah. or if it even has antlers right and I just thought that was really cool. Right. Now, there's, and, there is one thing know. about spikes, though. And, and I'll tell you this, because Gage was the first one to shoot, and he shot a spike this year. And uh, after we after we uh, packed out a Cascade bull, uh, it's going to be hard to shoot a spike over east <laughs> because of the meat. The, there's so much more meat on a Cascade bull than there is over east anyhow and then you take right. it and make it a spike uh yeah it's it, when you're talking about filling a freezer um i may pass up a spike on the first day well since i've never killed a bull that is not gonna happen but, <laughs> that's fine um... <laughs> and it probably won't happen with me either uh spike walks across i'm probably gonna put an arrow in it but what i'm saying it, is but in the deer world and and yeah. And of course because three quarters of the country's whitetail so i'm pretty much talking the whitetail world right um, I, it's almost a type of bullying. Yes. Yeah. I've seen it. And if I was a new 
traditional hunter and I shot a fork and horn and I was happy to put it on Facebook and somebody says, oh, you should have let it walk for a couple of years, you know. Right. I'd probably think twice about sharing it. Right. Well, and that's somebody that says, I want to let it walk a couple of years, probably has 10 fork and horns under the belt. <laughs> you know, they, they the, people tend to forget where they came from. I've got at least 10 fork and horns under my belt. Yep. And if one comes by... I'll have I'm 11. sending an arrow down range, <laughs> you know. I hear you. I like having that meat in the freezer. Yep. Not that I'm against shooting a big buck, because frankly, I'd, I'd love to have a big buck sure. walk by. But I have a hard time watching that, especially blacktails, where you may only see two or three bucks a year. Yeah, sometimes it can be um, horrible. It's a far now. Now that I've tasted the whitetail thing back in. Kansas, where I saw 90-some deer a day on some days, um, you know, I still didn't pass him up. <laughs> right. I shot an average seven-point after I'd been watching watching 10- and 12-pointers chasing does all over this field. It's like he gave me the opportunity. Right. And nine yards away, and I'm only, basically, I have a week to hunt. No. But I, I you know... Yeah. Yeah. No. And then, and then we, so that last bull we killed this year, he was an old bull. I bet you he, I mean, who knows how old, uh, one of the guys that, that was, that saw that bull when we packed him out, that's killed a lot of cascade bulls was thinking he was around 10 years old. And the difference between that bull and like the three-year-old was a big difference too. But also I kind of have a feeling that it's going to be a little bit stronger meat and a little bit. So um, I'm going to be shooting myself those little raghorn fives and fours. <laughs> I think that's the perfect well, bowl. <laughs> yeah. Would you rather have 200 pounds of really good tasting meat or 400 pounds of, of mediocre, stringy, yeah. tough, mediocre right. Right. meat? <laughs> that eventually you look at and, th and say, I really don't want to cook that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know. I don't know that. You know, I haven't eaten any of that bull, but I'll tell you this. One of his hams was like the ham and a front quarter of my bull that was over east, that three-and-a-half-year-old over east. Yeah. That's how big wow. it was. It, it was just phenomenally huge. And and I and you lost some of that meat in the fire, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yep. I moved that meat about five different times trying to keep it cool. <laughs> And finally, wow. we just lost power altogether, and uh, that was it. We did. We were able to keep a lot of Gage's meat because it was on top of my meat, um, the way that worked out. But, yeah, so I lost some meat, and it, it was because of that fire. I mean, literally literally in the fire, didn't you? Didn't, yeah, didn't so, the place burn you had it stored at? Yeah, so what happened is we uh, took it down to a uh, person has had a cooler. We're going to hang it there, and then... You know, because you want it to hang for a bit, and uh, yeah. So there's the next day or day after that, they lost power down there because of the fire. Thank goodness they didn't lose their house; they lost the barn. But um, so they lost power, and you know they were fighting the fire, and I didn't want to go and say, "Hey, I need to." Can I? Oh well, first of all, what what first happened is I tried to get the meat into uh, butchers here in in the rogue valley and nobody was taking any meat that you know with covid and everything um everybody's butchering oh, cattle and nobody's selling to the market so they were just plum full they couldn't take anymore 
So then I um, took it to the cooler here, and then I was going to cut it myself. Well, that didn't work out. And then I had an old fridge that I pulled out of my... And this is, mind you, this is during me trying, evacuating and things like that. And, sure. <laughs> and so I had a, a fridge that I pulled out of my my uh, house that, that I put a new one in, and I had it down in the shed. So I went down there and got it out and put it on a generator. And and we were being evacuated level three at the time, and I had to get, I was trying to get Misty and everybody down the hill, my dogs. and <laughs> yeah. a nightmare. Yeah, so I came back, I put it all in there, hit the generator, and it was working perfectly well when I put it in the shed. So I came back, and I came back up that evening after I got everybody evacuated out, um, and it was uh, not working. The whole fridge didn't work. So oh, no. so what we lost, I, I did keep some of it. I, I, did, I was able to keep some of it, but what we lost was the stuff that was on the bottom right because oh i i thought that the the barn from that yeah the hundred year farm or whatever had uh i thought they had a cooler in the barn they did barn burned they did no they lost power there so we moved it out of there oh and then brought it over to here and uh, i put it on the generator yeah that's how that worked um so it it was already i mean it was already not not you know warm this is 2020 folks what oh, do you expect? yeah and, and this is this is five times of moving that meat and trying to find a place to put it oh and, my gosh oh yeah it hurt it hurt bad i was i was really upset because you know here we are 2020 thinking man you know i, I could probably really use this meat too you know what sure. i mean um so but we were able to save all gauges it was on top and save some of mine that was on top it, but the one okay. thing that really irked me, it was the meat bag that really got it hit hard and it soured. And let me tell uh, you this, folks, if you're worried about whether your meat's good or not, don't worry. Um, you'll know. You'll know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when meat sours, you know for a fact. Um, it's not rotten, but you could you sure can smell the, the souring in it. So don't yeah. worry. If, if you get something down and you start, you, you'll have no doubt whether that meat's good or not. Yeah, yeah, that's the first time I've ever had anything sour on me, and it it hurt, hurt bad. Well, the circumstances were pretty extenuating, I should <sighs> yeah. say. Yeah, and I tried my guts out, you know, in between trying to move people out of the house, and and uh, we Don't didn't worry, lose. You're still thank, have it. thank goodness we didn't lose our our freezers, and uh, you know, because we have a lot of meat stored in there, and but I had it on the generator as well. I just didn't have any room for the elk in there, so. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, we, we have, uh, I did earn some meat from the other two guys by bugling in their bulls for them and packing them out. <laughs> so <laughs> I, sure. I, got, I got some elk meat still and, and then got some from my bull too. So I did lose the back straps, the whole back straps off of that bull. Uh, yeah. It hurt. I did get to eat some of it before we, before we, uh, got it, but yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, that yeah, it hurts. I, I look at those antlers. So here's the cool thing about that bull too is when we went down in there, that it was a bachelor group, and there were about nine bulls in that canyon, and that bull's actually barely rubbed off. He his antlers are so white, and he still got velvet all over him. Yep. By Labor Day, 
That's wild. Yeah, it was wild. Um, matter of fact, like right now, I got a couple. I got some guys up that are hunting rifle hunting for deer, and they should be rutting. They should be picking it up. But I still have pictures of deer together, uh, bucks together, and not with those. So it's yeah, it's a strange year. 2020, 2020 folks. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully we'll get some weather here in another couple of weeks, so we can. Yeah, so we can get out bucks. and and uh, I got so I have a spot picked out along the creek down here that I um I don't want to give away too much information because I know my next door neighbor listens to my stuff <laughs> and he's a big he's a big <laughs> bow hunter he uh, he'll be on top of that but uh um yeah I got I got a place picked out some deer working through it I got cameras on it and uh, hopefully. The big bucks show up following them. Uh, there's a lot of does in there. So usually if you find a lot of does this time of year, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Well, I got that big brown blind. I can bring it down. Yeah. Just set it up in there somewhere. Yeah, I think I have one still. Um, I'm not sure if it got burned up or not. Um, and then I do have uh, all my tree stand stuff, and I that's what I'm going to put up as a tree stand. Um and I did, so I did get another camera too. So I got a, I got, you know, I got those two AT&T Moultrie uh, cell cameras. I don't know if you, so they, they send me pictures over the internet. Okay. Yeah. See that technology stuff that we were complaining about? Anyhow. I was going to say, you yeah. just lost me. Um, this, my generation, we're going, what? It's a, so it's a cellular <laughs> game camera. So I don't even have to go up and oh. pull the card. It sends me pictures. That's kind of how I found those elk in the Cascades. Is I had the cameras up there, and I'm like, "Oh, there's elk up there. Let's go get them." Um, yeah, but it, it, you know, I'm gonna. I've been running cameras for years. All that does for me is save me gas money. So, but, um, and make me really antsy. It, it does that too. You know, elk come across the camera, and you're doing something else. Well, I <laughs> mean, you you yeah. want to go get go after those elk, but. Um, so I, I actually got a Verizon one coming because my AT&T don't work around this area. It has to be Verizon. So, yeah, I'm going to be able to know what's going on at the moment's notice. Yep, and I'll put that right alongside my rangefinder. <laughs> well, maybe maybe that ring doorbell outfit could make, uh, <laughs> you know, hunting things. Yeah, well, that's kind of what Where, this is, man. <laughs> I'm telling it's you, like a ring doorbell. When when something steps in front of my camera, it rings my phone, bing, and then you just pull it up, and there's a picture. Yep, yep, yep. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's 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 uh, you know, everybody like I was talking technology. You know, every it every. It, we got to start. I guess we got to ask ourselves if that's something that we should be doing too. I I don't know. Well, I was just going to bring that up. You know, is that is that part of the technology? You know, and and the whitetailers out there can tell you. I don't know because I don't use trail cams. Um, I. This is not arrogance, okay? This is just my generation, I guess. Is I've just relied on tracks and droppings and yeah rubs yeah and everything else to scout. So I don't know. I don't know if that technology is a detriment or not. Yeah. You know, so I, I think, I think it has a generational thing because of the way culture has gone. We're so stinking busy. 
Um, it used to be back in the day we were looking for, you know, say back in the seventies, how many, how many families had both parents working? Very, Hardly any. very few. Right. Um, yeah. nowadays that seems like what's going on. And some parents have two jobs, three jobs. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the part of the reason is because we did spend a whole lot more time as a, as a whole in the woods, right? Picnics were a thing yes. that we did all the time. So yes. you would go out. I mean, no rightful hunter would just go on a picnic. He was scouting, you know, <laughs> you may never tell your wife that, but you were scouting yeah. while you were doing on the picnic. And my wife knew it, you know, we're always checking tracks and looking at this and looking at that. Hey, let's go check that out. We've never been there before. So, right. So I think making little X's on maps. Yeah. 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 And, and I don't think I don't. So I think that's why trail cameras are a big thing now is because we don't have that as much, although we need it more, you know, but you're right. You you could tell what's going on just by tracks. You don't have to have a game camera out there. Um, one of the things that I won't sit in a tree stand, unless I have a game camera underneath it. And it showed me deer every day, or, you know, me, I just can't do it. So that's one yeah. advantage that I have is just keeps me in the tree stand. Um, but part of it, I think it's part of, for me anyway, part of the thing is I, I see some big tracks, I see some rubs, and I know, okay, there's there's bucks in the area. Sure. But I don't know, you know, their size. I don't know all that stuff. You mean I'd you don't have be, your target deer that you're going after, I, have him named? <laughs> See, that's my point. I want to be surprised. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I kind of look at it like the gender reveal parties. You know, when, when we had kids, it was it's like when you gave birth, it was like a surprise party. Oh, is it a boy <laughs> or a girl? You know? Right, right. Um, I guess times have just changed. Yeah. Yeah. You mean to tell me you don't have a hit list? You don't have like four deer on your hit list? No. I don't have a hit list. I have a tag. I know. I know. I see that and I cringe every time I see that. I'm like, wow, no. I I just no. That that, that yeah. sounds just really weird. Uh, yeah. but no, no. That's so. I think that's you know, and and guiding and outfitting. Uh, man, you. Uh, it's gonna sound horrible, but you really have to send people, um, what they can expect. You know, and that's. So that's part of it plays into it as well. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I, I like the idea. I like having game cameras that, that keeps me actively engaged all year long. It's, and it's fun. I'll tell you, it's kind of like putting out a crab pot, you know? You well, can, it is fun. Yeah. You know, we had, when I was back when I could hunt Boyd's property before he died, um, he had cameras all over the place. And we'd check the cameras just to see what's going on, you know. And it was, you know, 35 acres, we five different bear and two different cougar that you had never known. Right. There. Right. As well as, uh, you know, some bucks. But you know how black tails are. They're not like white tails. Right. That, that are fairly predictable as far as travel patterns and, and stuff. They just kind of go where they want. Right. So it doesn't do, at least on this piece of property, it didn't do a lot of good because the same buck never showed up twice on the same game camera. 
Right. It just gave you an idea of what was passing through. You know, his his property was a travel route. Uh, of what was passing through. Uh, right. So it was still you still had that unknown. Okay, I'm yeah, I'm sitting over a trail, but there's some pretty good sign. And if a buck comes by, what's it going to be? You know. Right. It's that's fun as well. It is. It is. It, that brings the lure to it too. You know, of being out there. Yeah. 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 So no, I don't. And I'm not putting people down for it, but I don't get the whole hit list thing. Yeah. For me, that that doesn't. You know. Right. No, I, I I'm not big on, and I think that's kind of a a you know, probably people that follow the same buck, because there's people that do that. They follow the same buck and they try to get him every year and for four years. And I could see, man, that would be a real. <laughs> How are they going to get him every year? Or I mean, get get out. They hunt him every year. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. They 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 try to get him every year. You know, they they yeah. And and he gets away from them, um, and and I see that, and I I. I could get that. I could see how people could get that way. And I think that's a pretty cool idea. The only thing is, is, uh, yeah, for me, that's not going to work. <laughs> well, you know, Donnie Vincent made a whole movie on it. Right. Right. And of that Dakota whitetail, I forget what he called yep. Steve. Yep. Yep. Steve, the whitetail. And there's nothing know? wrong with that. Right. No, no, no. I'm just, that just isn't my mentality. Right. I think we're Western. <laughs> you know, we, well, for one, the same deer don't stick in the same spot all the time. And we don't have near as many. Right. Right. Um, out here. So it's more of a, uh, you know, when you get the opportunity, you take it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. A lot more opportunist and a lot more uh, searching. You know, we don't, right. we don't, we don't sneak into the hauler and, and hunt the same hundred, hundred acres and hope for, the, for, you know, Fred to show up today. Um, mm -hmm. that's not, that's not the art, what we can do. It just doesn't work out that way. But, you know, back East, that's how a lot of it's done. Same with their turkeys. And, uh, mm -hmm. there's gotta be something said about that. That's gotta be kind of cool too, you know, to have that kind of, uh, I don't know, relationship with a certain animal would be fun too. I could see that being pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's just unlikely to happen here. Right. And this is really, for the most part, Oregon's the only place I've hunted. Outside, you know, a couple trips to Ohio and the Kansas trip, uh, that's, you know, for deer, that's kind of it. Right. Yeah. No, I hear you. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, pretty cool differences and and that's I, you know and that's part of it too that's i think that's another reason that people have their uh like shooting a spike right well if, uh -huh. if you're sitting in a tree stand you see a spike every day with his mom that gives you a different yeah. idea of what shooting a spike is than if you're shooting a spike elk that you've been you know 10 miles here <laughs> you know what i mean so people yeah. have they live within their own universe without um, understanding that the, there's another uh, universe out there. So, you know, a spike here is different than a spike there. And uh, like a spike mule deer, there, some of those spike mule deer come across, they're big enough for me. Uh, that's bigger than a blacktail back home. I'm going to shoot that sucker oh. here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And 
part of, I guess part of my perspective too is like when I've, the few times I've gotten to travel out of state, I, you only got like maybe seven days to hunt. Right. And, right. And so you can't, uh, even if someone there had a trail camera, they go, look at this, this 10 pointer, you know, um, he could come through here. The keyword being could. Right. Right. Uh, I just paid $400 for a tag. Yeah. I want to take something home to yeah. show for it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yep. So I guess that's our little rant on technology. And, and uh, it's funny, yeah. too, because we talk about social media and the ills, and then we just sat here and talked about what we need to put out on social media. So um, I, I think it's like anything else. I, you know, when books came out, I imagine there were a lot of people sitting and talking about how books would have its influence on culture. And I think we're at that point with social media. We need to, um, I think the the healthy thing is to always, always ask ourselves what we're putting out and why we're putting it out. I, I don't think it's the social part of it. I think it's the media part. And I think it, it plays into, um, we have to just kind of go, past the views and start thinking about what we're doing and the influence that we're putting out. Right. Instead of just uh, like uh, self-glorification. Yeah. In, instead of getting that, that dopamine hit of, wow, look at how many people are watching this. Yeah. Um, we need to start putting out what needs to be out there. And, uh, and hopefully people will watch it because it is a message that needs to be out. I think that's Benefit. Just influences a few people to, to look at things maybe just a little bit different and sure. enjoy their hunt more than it's worth it. Yep, exactly, exactly. And that, and then that's that's really why we're doing what we're doing. And and I've come to that conclusion that that's what we're going to do with that Life Outdoors um, YouTube channels. I can't, you know, that's the way it's going to be. And and I'll, I, I just feel like that that's the reason we started it, and I want to be true to that, and I don't want to stray away from it. And uh, you get caught up into some of that sometimes and worrying about this and worrying about that. The heck with all that. <laughs> yeah. Let's just put out some hunting and, and promote a lifestyle. In 2020, we need to come back to some of this stuff and realize, you know, it's the people that we hunt with that are more important than the hunts themselves. And in 2020, I think it's a good time to reflect on all that. And I think we as a hunting community have a lot to give the culture. Right. Yeah. It's been a interesting year. It sure has. And, uh, but at the same time, I think, uh, we have stuff that we can help. <laughs> and, and, you know, I never had any arguments really in, in hunting camp. We've had discussions, but I, I can't remember anybody getting so mad that they, that they defriended somebody in elk camp. Right. Name calling. or Yep. Yep. And, uh, yep. And, uh, so, and there were a lot of differences of opinions, you know? And so I think in 2020, I think everybody needs to be around hunters. (laughs) (laughs) They're great people. What can you say? Yeah. What can you say? What can you say? There's always commonality somewhere in there. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of why I wanted to jump on here. Um, and, and kind of talk a little bit about that and, I know you felt the stress before just because of some of the circles you run in. You, you feel, you know, like you, uh, you 
you have to be a certain way or have to do a certain thing. And, and, uh, I know, I know that these kind of things, this stuff, this is the kind of thing that we need to look at during 2020 is we need to come back and go, why are we doing what we're doing? So let's do it. Yeah, exactly. And we need to put out more. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what we're doing. So anyhow, stay tuned guys. Um, we are going to put out more on the YouTube channel. Uh, I'm going to do it just like I've been doing all the other ones. And, um, it's, it's going to be fun. There's a lot of fun stuff in there. Uh, some crazy stuff. We actually had a coyote chase a deer right in front of us, which was crazy. And, uh, so we're going to put it all out there and, uh, and hopefully you guys yeah, that's the kind of yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. It was nuts. It was nuts. I think we saved that deer's life. <laughs> so, uh, hope you didn't save the coyotes. I tried not to, but all I had was my bow <laughs> and, and he didn't give me a long enough time to, you'll see it. He didn't give me a long okay. enough time to shoot. But, uh, so that's what we're trying to put out guys. And I hope you guys enjoy it and I hope you get something out of it. And I hope you, um, actually, uh, talk to us and, and, and converse. That's what we are doing this for. Let's make yeah. it social. Let's really be social, input. right? Talk to us about it. Cause I'm, I'm sure I probably maybe pissed off a few people, but yeah, let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk. Yeah. It's a campfire, <laughs> you know? Right. So, all right. Uh, Jerry, we'll see you later. It's been super fun to be back with you again. And, uh, well, I'm looking forward to deer season. Me too. All right, man. Thanks a bunch. You bet. We'll see you. See you later. Thanks for joining us on another edition of Bearbow Hunters Podcast. Hey, if you like what you heard, please give us a rating down below. We like the five stars. And uh, follow us also on Instagram under Bearbow Hunters. Go to our YouTube account, Bearbow Hunter at YouTube under the Life Outdoors heading. So that's uh, Bearbow Hunters YouTube under the Life Outdoors. Also, go in join Fairbow Hunter Group on Facebook. Thanks again for listening.